I'm when I'm sitting in my car, just kind of mucking around before I get out of the car. I'll look over and see another woman sitting in a car, looking at her phone and being like, I wonder if she's avoiding stepkids in her house for some reason. You know? <laughs> You're listening to the Nacho Kids podcast, where we discuss all things step family related, real stories, real people, real help. Your hosts are the creators of the Nacho Kids Method and the Nacho Kids Academy Step Family Coaching Team, Lori and David Sims. Welcome to episode 155 of the Nacho Kids Podcast. That's right. How y'all folks doing today? Great, great. Good to hear. Good Lord. <laughs> sounds like you're driving it at 155. <laughs> I ate a brownie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you got a sugar high. Oh, Lord. I'm going to crash really quickly. It wasn't just a brownie. It had whipped cream all over top of it. And a cherry. And a, with a cherry on top. <laughs> it's very good. Very good. Okay. Before I forget, our winner today of the Nacho Kids Linda Dunham Scholarship is W. Mill. Hey, W. Mill, check your email and we will get you started in the Nacho Kids Academy. I wonder if her first name is Wind. No. <laughs> it's not Wind Mill, David. <laughs> Maybe it's Windy. You know, I do know somebody that her name is spelled Wendy with an I. Mm, cool. Yeah, kind of strange. Anyway, yeah. our guest today is Stepmom Rebecca. She is from New Zealand. Oh. Blending for four years, married two, stepson 13, stepdaughter 10, every other week. They actually do a 2255 schedule. She has no bio kids and is childless by choice. So, Lori, do you remember what they call? Um, the people from New Zealand, one of the nicknames? Kiwis. Yay, good job. <laughs> Scared me there for a minute. <laughs> so why do they call them the bird? It's just, well, I guess, one, what they're famous for. Okay. Don't know. So in South Carolina, we are the rednecks? <laughs> yeah. you never seen the bird? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, David, what is going on, man? With what? In general? Life. Yes. Life is always crazy. Always. Life is good. Life is good. Oh, yeah. It's that, too. For those of you that don't know me or haven't seen me, I am wearing a Life is Good t-shirt 98% of the time. That's true. We need to like, get them as a sponsor. Yeah. Like it, don't, it won't cost you anything. Just send her a free shirt once a month. <laughs> hey, that would save us a lot of money. <laughs> But I wear those because, number one, they are great quality shirts. They, they are. They're really good quality. Number two, we always need a reminder that life is good. That's true. I think they also donate like, a portion of their proceeds to some cool things. So, Yes, David, they do. They push the life is good philosophy. They do. Cool. It never hurts to have that reminder. No. No, not at all. Because, yep. you know... The day-to-day grind can get you down sometimes. It can. It can. All right, David, let's tell people about the Nacho Kids Academy. Well, it's at the nachokidsacademy.com, and that is not with the the, the the. It's just nachokidsacademy.com. But we have tons of courses and resources, and we help you along the way to properly nacho and find that zen in your life. Can't tell you too much more than that because there's a lot of secret stuff. Secret squirrel stuff. Secret squirrel? Secret squirrel. I can't even say it. Secret squirrel? Yeah. You know, secret squirrel. You don't know who secret squirrel is? No. Oh, well, you have to Google it. Oh, great. (laughs) (laughs) Hang on, folks. 
Oh, it's a cartoon. <laughs> oh, I know who that is now. <laughs> okay. Secret Squirrel. <laughs> it's a cartoon. That's all I can tell you. You'll have to look it up because, you know, I can't explain it. It's Secret Squirrel stuff. <laughs> okay. Did you know the phrase secret squirrel stuff is used by people working in U.S. intelligence to lightheartedly describe material that is highly classified, usually as a non-answer to a question? Yeah, that's what I said. It's secret squirrel stuff. (laughs) But you're not. You asked me about the Academy and I said it's secret squirrel stuff. Okay. Well, David's going to keep on with his secret squirrel stuff. (laughs) And y'all can get to listening to Rebecca in New Zealand. Today, we have stepmom Rebecca. Hey, Rebecca, how are you? I'm well, thanks, Lori. How are you? Doing good. So tell us a little bit about your blend, how long you've been blending, stepkids, bio kids, all that stuff. All right. So I have been blending for almost exactly four years. I have two stepchildren. I've got a stepson who turned 13 in February, and I have a stepdaughter who will turn 10 in May. Wow. And I have no I have no children of my own, and I'm childless by choice. Okay. You know, I always get confused with the child-free and childless. So you would be considered yourself child-free? Yes, yes, I guess so. Yes, it was a decision I made many years ago to not have children. So I suppose it's my own choice, I guess, not by circumstance. Yeah. I always get confused and I don't want to offend anybody. So no, no. And I'm not offended either way, to be fair. I'm sure that there are some people out there that are, but um, no, it's, it's, sometimes I get a bit confused. Is it child-free or child-less? So I guess, yeah, child-free, I suppose, because I've chosen to be free of them. So <laughs> <laughs> that works for me. We're going to go with that. <laughs> well, do you know, I want to touch on that a second. Do you know any particular reason you decided you didn't want to have kids at a young age or it's just something that never appealed to you? I think it's probably a little bit of both, to be honest. When I was really little, I mean, I I always sort of thought I would end up having kids. I think most kids probably do. Most women probably think that's in their their future pathway. As I grew up and I started working in my sort of like late teens, early 20s, I sort of realized that my career was more important to me and that I wanted to focus on my career. And I didn't want to have to put my child in daycare to be able to do that. So as I just sort of made the decision that I didn't want to have kids as a result and wanted to be able to give my life to my career and and building that and doing sort of the things that I wanted to do. That's not for everybody, but uh, that was sort of my choice. And I've never really regretted that choice, to be fair at all. I look back and don't ever wish I'd made a different decision. Well, that's great because it scares me that some people will make that decision. And then when they get to the age that they can't have children, they regret it. Yeah. And I've got a few, I've got a friend who wants children desperately and for various reasons can't, but I, most of the friends in my world, uh, the women don't have children and none of them regret the decision not to have children. So it's, it's, I guess, again, you just sort of pull people into your world who support you and who are like-minded. So I do have a couple of friends who have kids, but um, yeah, I think it's, it's nice to have women in my world who understand and appreciate the decision not to have them as well. So it's not that you hate kids. No, no, no. It's not that I hate kids. I grew up babysitting. I don't mind playing with other people's kids. Um, It's got nothing to do with the hatred of children, to be fair. It just, I guess I didn't really want the lifelong responsibility of that. And it just didn't, I guess it just didn't really appeal to me at all. Yeah. Makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) Strange for some, I know, and not everybody understands it. And that's totally fine. I think it's my decision. And yeah, one day I may wake up and regret it one day, but 
we all make decisions that we regret in life at some point, I'm sure. So this is just sort of one of those you think, oh, just it works for me. And I feel very happy. And I enjoy the fact that I can do what pretty much whatever I want, whatever I want. And I don't have to coordinate custody schedules or worry about what I'm going to do with the kids or if I'm running late for work or whatever. It just, yeah, it, it, it just works for me. It's not, like I said, it's not for everybody, but it works for me. Right, right. And that's what matters. As long as it works for you, girl. Yeah. So you met your husband. Yes. Obviously, you liked him. Yes. <laughs> and he had kids. Yes. So I met my husband in 2019. We actually, we met online. Um, and at the time when I was online, I was very adamant that I didn't want to date anybody who had kids. I thought, I, I know, like, and I know that that's a bit harder the older that you get mm-hmm. um, to, try to, to try to find someone who hasn't already had kids and hasn't been married before. So I didn't know immediately that my um, now husband had children and we we met and we were out for dinner and he's like made a passing comment about the fact that he shares custody of his kids with his ex-wife. And I was like, okay, now I have a choice to make. I can either stay doing this or I can not stay doing this. And it was, so I stayed, obviously we, we got married. We'll be married for nearly two, we're nearly two years uh, in September. It will be two years. So it's, yeah, it, it, it's okay. They were, at first it seemed like, oh yeah, how hard can it be? You know, like my friends and family thought I was crazy. Like why on earth for someone who doesn't want kids, are you going to end up with, you know, a man who has two and who has them 50% of the time? And I was like, oh, well, nothing says I can't do a challenge. So let, let's go for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm surprised that when he made that comment about his kids, you didn't say, you should have put that on your profile and I never would have came here. Oh, <laughs> uh, that thought crossed my mind. And I sat there and thought, is this really what you want to do? Like, maybe you should just turn around and walk away from this. And I thought, no, I did. And I did. I didn't. I guess the thought crossed my mind and it didn't. I didn't. So <laughs> well, I'm impressed. <laughs> I am too some days, to be fair. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for you to say you got up from the table and went to run out and he stopped you. <laughs> Oh, I think I think there's days in years gone by. I wish that perhaps I had made that choice, <laughs> but, um, but I didn't. So, and look, you just again, like every every choice you make has not so much a consequence, but just has an outcome that you have to deal with, and you just have to make a decision to either keep doing it or to step out. So, right. I just thought, well, I'm going to keep doing it. Yeah. So, when you first come into the kids' lives, how long did you wait to meet them? Was it fairly quickly? No, I was really concerned about making sure that the kids felt comfortable in the situation. So initially I had said to my then boyfriend, like I, if the kids don't like me, then I don't want to continue with the relationship. And I know that that kind of counters to what a lot of people think, but I sort of felt like they didn't pick me and I didn't pick them. Our commonality is my husband. So it was important to me that they were comfortable. So we, I didn't meet I didn't meet his kids until about six months after we had first been dating and it was very low key. I just went to like an arcade with them and just introduced them and we just sort of do some physical activity, mm-hmm. like playing games and things just to kind of calm it all sort of down a little bit. And more for me, I was very anxious. I was very anxious on the day that I met them. We then moved in together quite soon after that. So we moved in uh, that would have been in the April. We moved in in the June of that year. However, we made a conscious decision that in order to 
help with the blending. Um, We stayed in separate rooms for the first six months of our relationship when the kids were there, when we moved in together. So that way that the kids could deal with it, I had space that I could deal with it just to help everybody sort of adjust to what the circumstance kind of looked like, that they were able to see that they still had time with their dad and they still were able to kind of have that relationship. And I wasn't always there and always in the way. And I think that by making that decision, it actually worked better for our blend in the beginning as a result. Right. I can see that because you didn't force yourself into their home. You didn't come in. I take it you moved into their home. Uh, No, actually. So my husband left the home with their mother. And so we moved into a a new rental property together. So it was new for both of us, um, which I also think helped because it was a, a new space for everybody that nobody was familiar with. Right. Perfect. Perfect. Girl, y'all were doing good st- so far. Y'all doing good. Yeah, we, we seem to start it off okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. Well, you didn't rush into meeting the kids. You didn't, you know, come in when y'all started living together and start being super stepmom. It was more like a roommate situation when they were there, right? Yes. Yeah, very much so. Like I did, I did more in the beginning than I do now. So I, we, I had like reward chats and star chats in the beginning to sort of just kind of help them with, I don't know, doing chores and getting into really good habits. Like I'm a highly organized, um, highly proactive, highly ambitious, motivated individual, very type A personality. My husband is not any of that, um, <laughs> but I guess I just wanted to support him in it too. And, and just kind of help the kids to, I don't know, see that they have options to choose in life. They don't have to choose those options, but just opening the door to say, hey, you you have the choice. So yeah, I was very much more involved and used to do a lot more with them than I definitely do now, that's for sure. But and that that was okay. That was hard for me. It didn't just come naturally. I really had to make a conscious decision to do it. But yeah, things just sort of changed over time, I guess. But yeah, in the initial stages, it was all yeah, helping my husband, being around more star charts, helping them just instill good values, teaching them things that they possibly didn't already know, and just overall kind of being more present in the house. And were they open to you teaching them those things? Uh, yep, definitely. So they were a few years younger now than they are, or a few years younger than they are now. Right. Um, yeah, they're, they're all very, um, I didn't get any resistance. I didn't get any ill will or bad behavior or anything along those lines. So very fortunate um, when I compare that to a lot of other women's experiences that I read about and um, and sort of have have talked to about, so for that I feel very blessed and I'm very thankful. So yeah, I mean we we got we got along fine and um, I played with them and yeah, kind of built built a relationship. It was sort of me, I guess, that changed in the dynamic rather than everybody else. Okay, why do you think that is? I guess I kind of in the beginning it I sort of saw it like a project. I work in property, which is very sort of project based. You get a timeline, something starts, something finishes, there's clear stuff in the middle, and then mm-hmm. you kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel, and you think you have projects overdone, tick the box, move on. Uh-huh. And so for the first couple of years, it was still a challenge, don't get me wrong. I just often bit back a lot. I dealt with a lot of anxiety about the kids and having to deal with it all. And there's like it wasn't, it wasn't easy for me emotionally to deal with it. But I guess I just sort of thought, well, I, I can do this, you know, like how, how hard can this be? Like, I'm sure that I can make two kids like me and I can make this work in a blended family situation. Sure. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of woke up one day and realized that it was kind of like a project that was never going to end. Mm-hmm. And I started to have this really sort of like epiphany moment of, 
oh my gosh, they're never going to go away. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, I mean, like in reality, you sort of know that they're always going to be there because they're my husband's children, but there's an element of like, wow, this like 50% custody is going to go on for like another 12 years in this my life is controlled by 2255 and week on, week off during the school holidays. And you think, oh my gracious, what have I done? <laughs> and, and then, of course, we had the pandemic and then COVID hit. And COVID changed a lot for me. So COVID just took away all of my coping mechanisms. Here in the country that I live in, restrictions were excessive and they have continued to be relatively excessive. And that didn't help at all. I was very, very fortunate. I had started a new job and they let me continue to come into the office during our highest levels of restriction under severe lockdown. um, And that helped, but it just, it just sort of changed for me. And I kind of realized that I was like, I don't really think I want to be as active and be as involved anymore as I used to be. So I really started to step back as an ability just to kind of cope with myself and just try to deal with what I had on my plate and how to manage that. And I just, and then I found the the Facebook group on Nacho and just opened my eyes to be like, oh my goodness, I'm not alone. Like there's other people who feel like this too. Mm -hmm. So that provided a huge amount of comfort to know that other women were going through the same sorts of thoughts and feelings and that it didn't make me a horrible person for stepping back. Right. Yeah. You are not a horrible person at all. Yeah, I you definitely what you what you have put together has very much helped me to see that because it's not always the world's view on that. Uh, I have some friends that I differ in the points of view, and you know it's like, well, this is just this is just what I have to do to cope with the situation I'm in. Right. Well, I'm so glad you found the Facebook group and that it was able to help you because I I know how hard it is to be the one that's like. I don't feel right in this blend. Something's wrong. I just, I'm not happy, you you know, kind of thing. Where do you go? Well, a lot of Facebook groups, you get attacked. Oh, you should love them like your own and all that stuff. And that's not what you need. No, no. And I was fortunate that my husband was very clear as well when we, when we got together that they're not my responsibility. They have a mother, a very involved mother, you know, I mean, sure, there might be things that she does that we don't agree with, but then there's things that my husband does that she doesn't agree with. So it goes both ways, Mm -hmm. but on on a whole, like he was very clear on drawing that line, what the expectations were. We ended up in mediation a couple of years ago to negotiate a right of first refusal, which they didn't have in their arrangement. And the mediator made a comment about, oh, well, you know, like if so-and-so can't take them and your husband, you know, and -and so-and-so can't take them, well, Rebecca can just step in to take them. And I looked at my husband and my husband looked at me. We didn't say anything in the meeting and we both got home and had a bit of a laugh about it. And my husband was like, yeah, under what circumstances is it your responsibility to fix a conflict if I have to be in two places at once, you know? (laughs) And so he's, which is funny. And, um, (laughs) and I was like, oh, so that's been helpful. He definitely doesn't have some of the expectations. I think he has some subtle, perhaps unspoken expectations that he would like me to be more involved. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't necessarily mean being involved in the parenting side of it, but just be more physically present in the house when the kids are there. And so I think that creates some tension and conflict for us, not in a significant way, but Mm -hmm. it's sort of subtly sort of sits below the water a little bit. But I'm very blessed that he does not see them as my responsibility. And he's very much aware that anything that I do for either of them or for him to help him in the situation is because I want to. 
And, um, and I've said to him that if you would give me the freedom to do it as I'm comfortable with, then you will get a better outcome than if I feel it's an expectation on me to do it for you. Yes, 100%. I'm glad that he didn't have those expectations of you. It's definitely made things easier. Again, as I said, it's not, it still isn't perfect and we still have our challenges as a result. Um, I think that there is, he would appreciate more support for me in some ways. He doesn't always say it, but sometimes there's comments of like, well, you're never here. And like, you know, I didn't, I didn't sign into like a part-time marriage and this sort of thing. So we have to deal with some of that, that like between the two of us, but that does, it's not a direct relation of the kids. I don't think it's more for his support rather than what I'm not giving to his kids, if that makes sense. Right. So when the kids come, do you just disappear like Houdini? <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> so I have developed and Nacho and Nacho has been great, I guess, from uh, how do I deal and interact with the kids when they're there? Mm-hmm. So it has taught me very much, not my kids, not my responsibility, which was a fabulous mentality that my husband had initially. More so what Nacho has done is helped me to keep my mouth shut a lot more. Yes. So where I would go to my husband later and say, did you really think that it was okay that so-and-so was on their device all day with their face in that? Or are you really okay that this, that this happened? I don't do any of that anymore. Like I, I love the, the phrase that a lot of the women put in comments of like, that really sucks, love. What can I do to support you in that? Or I trust you to make the best decision and I'll support you in whatever choice you make. Um, so that's really helped me to, I guess, engage and support him better without sort of being like, and he does get defensive. Um, I, I do notice that when I do tend to bring things up very rarely, but when I do, he gets quite defensive about it. Mm-hmm. So I've just sort of learned that it's not my place and he's a perfectly capable dad. Yeah, he struggles sometimes, but he's he's got it and he'll work it out and I trust him to make the right decision. But we, yeah, we we've come to a point now where on our 50-50 schedule. So I avoid my house 95% of the time that the kids are with us. Uh, Do you? Yes, I do. So we have them every other weekend and then every Monday and Tuesday night. And then that gives us every Wednesday and Thursday and every other weekend Uh child-free. So it's, it's just a, I guess it's just a routine that I've kind of built into it. So the kids traditionally will come to us on a Friday and I have sort of come that I make myself scarce. So I get up at five 30 in the morning to go to the gym on the mornings that they're with us. And I leave the house before six o'clock. And then I don't come home until after both of them are in bed asleep, which now is about 10 o'clock at night. Um, and I do that for the days that they're with us, except for Sundays. So my husband has allocated Every other Sunday that we have the kids is quote unquote family day, which has sort of evolved into me really just spending time with his daughter. So I take his daughter out and we go to the shopping mall and she likes to try on clothes. She's at that age where it's all about makeup and she watches YouTube and wants to be a YouTuber when she gets old. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, so I go and I spend four or five hours with her at the shopping mall and we try clothes on and I just show her bits and pieces, take buy her coffee, stuff like that, which I don't mind doing, but that's the only interaction I have with them. My stepson gets a morning as I walk out the door or morning as I've gotten up or whatever, but the rest of the time I'm, yep, I'm, I'm absolutely just not there at all. <laughs> what so. in the world do you do to keep yourself busy? Because I'm thinking, uh, you know, I could do it till probably about seven o'clock. And then all my friends are, you know, they're eating dinner, they're doing their thing. And I'm not one to like go out to eat by myself or go to the movies by myself. But 
I'm like, what are you doing to fill this time? Are you napping in the car or what's going on? <laughs> no, I haven't done that. Although I have read comments where that's what some women do. So. <laughs> um, it's actually, it's funny now I go into, if I'm in a car park some days, um, when I'm sitting in my car, just kind of mucking around before I get out of the car. I'll look over and see another woman sitting in a car, looking at her phone and being like, I wonder if she's avoiding stepkids in her house for some reason, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I, I guess I fill my time. It's become a routine a little bit. So I fill my time with like, quite a bit of stuff. So last year I worked for a university. So last year I completed my master's. Oh, good. Um, Congratulations. Again, filled, thank you. It's filled my time. This year I decided to continue with study. So I have commenced a law degree, which will take me four years to complete. So that gives me something to do with my time as well. Wow. I schedule friend visits with friends. So I have sort of built into a routine that when we have the kids, I do all the things I want to do with my friends and do all my socializing. So if I'm not hanging out at a friend's house after work for dinner or something like that, I'm at the office studying during summer. It gets the days get a bit boring. And that just, that really could just mean just sitting at work, reading a book or doing a jigsaw puzzle thinks I'm insane, but there's a level of, I guess I've become more comfortable at my office than I have in my own house. So it just sort of, yeah, it's, it's long some days. And some days I look and think, oh, this is really the best option and, and resentment builds. But I think, well, I'm choosing to do this. No one's telling me that I can't go home if I don't want to be there. So it's just, yeah, it's not always easy and it's not a perfect solution. And I'm sure some people would think that I was insane, but I've always worked off of the mindset that particularly for with my stepdaughter, if the answer to the question of, will you play with me is not going to be a yes, then I'm just not there. Really? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Again, that might seem bizarre to some people. No, no, it doesn't seem bizarre, but it answers so many questions because I'm like, you've got a decent relationship with them. So why are you weary of going home? I, I I read I read and I can't remember if it was on your Facebook group or if it was another blended family article that I read and and it a few years ago and it stuck it stuck with me it was an article where a stepchild was talking about her experience later in life and she made a comment that when my stepmother moved in I I never got to spend time with my dad one on one anymore the only time I got to spend with him one on one was when he was driving us to school in the car. Mm-hmm. And it stuck with me because I thought, I don't want that for my stepkids. I want them to be able to have as much time with their dad as they want without me being in the way. Again, that's created a bit of tension sometimes with my husband because he's like, but you're making the decision about how much time I want to spend with them. And that's not your decision to make. And I've said, yeah, but the research I've done, and I've read a lot of books and done a lot of research on blended families. Mm -hmm. And I said, you might think that it's enough, but it's not necessarily about what you think. It's also about what they think. And I don't want them to be like, oh, dad, does Rebecca have to be here? Like, please, can't she just go away and do something else? Whereas that's that's not the experience. I get feedback that, no, they'd like you to be around more. My stepdaughter would like me to be around more. I don't think my stepson as a teenager cares one way yeah. or the other. So <laughs> so it's not it's not about them. I guess I guess what brought me to to the place I'm at really had to do with me and how I felt about things. It wasn't really because of bad behavior or, you know, a not so nice ex-wife or, you know, not so nice stepchildren or anything. It just became me. I just sort of was like, I, this is hard and I can't maintain this pace anymore. It just, it's not, it's not working for me. So 
I just right. kind of put coping mechanisms in place to kind of help me through it, I suppose. So again, that probably seems strange to people, but I thought there's got to be more people out there than just me who sort of see things like this. No, I'm thinking that all the stepmoms and even some stepdads listening to this are like, man, I want to be like her. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's not a, it's not a cakewalk. I'll, I'll say that much. I, I had a, a friend about a year ago say to me when we were sort of just kind of, kind of met was like, wow, you know, like you look like you have the perfect life. Like you get to be married, but do whatever you want as well. And it's like, yeah, it's not always all it's cracked up to be looking from the outside in. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it expends a lot of energy, but again, the alternative is that that would mean that I would have to be at home more and the amount of anxiety that that brings me when I have to think about that is worse than the few days of tiredness I feel before the kids go back to the mothers. So it's a bit of a trade-off. So is the anxiety that you feel one of you feel like you're kind of imposing or taking time away from the kids with their dad or what other type of anxiety? Yeah, there is some of that. So I do feel a little bit like a stranger in my own home some days. I find it really difficult. And I guess that's where one of the things that COVID sort of wrecked for me was that I was able to be home before my husband and his kids came home. Like he would pick them. They went to after school care and he would pick them up from there and then bring them home. But I'd had at that point, like an hour in the house to myself where I could just sort of like mentally sort of prepare for them coming home, me being in the house, sorting out the things that I needed to so I could be calm and be present. Well, since COVID, that sort of has all changed with the ability to work from home. And so my husband's schedule now no longer requires them to be able to go to after school care. So I would come home and feel like I was walking into their space. So the three of them would be in the lounge, but they might all be on their faces with their and their devices. And it wouldn't necessarily be they're sitting around the table playing a game of something, but mm -hmm. it just, I just felt like I was intruding into their space. Like they had established something when they got home from school, whatever that looked like that they were sort of doing. And that by me stepping into that space, I was intruding on them. And that's all a me construct. That's not because someone has made a comment to me about it. It's just sort of all these things I've kind of, guess I've created in my own head, but that creates huge amounts of anxiety for me. And it's just, it's a, just a really uncomfortable space to stay in. So I've just sort of started removing myself from the situation. And my husband's really good about routine with the kids. And plus he knows that I'm waiting in the wings to come home. So bedtime <laughs> is always the time that it's meant to be. And like, there's no mucking around, but routine and structure for him is very important. So I've sort of helped him by saying, well, the kids know that on a Sunday I'm going to be there and they'll know that every other time I'm not going to be there. And therefore they know that if they want to spend time with you or talk to you about something, or they want you to be there for them, they know that they're going to have that time with you because we only see Rebecca on a Saturday, on a Sunday. Right. I giggled when you said that about him making sure they're in bed at a specific <laughs> time. <laughs> you have found a way <laughs> to get <Yes>. your husband <laughs> to step up and have those kids in bed at the right time every night. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because he knows. And so when bedtimes change here, like it's usually on the start of the school year, whatever, they change by half an hour. And I don't look, I don't know what's going to happen when they decide they're going to bed at 1030 at night. Like there's no way I'm going to be coming home at midnight and then getting up at 530 in the morning. Like I haven't really thought about exactly how it's all going to look when bedtime gets a bit too much uh -huh. um, or too late. 
But I think, ah, it's okay. I got a couple of years yet. We'll cross that bridge when it comes to it. <laughs> so what about the summers? Do they still have a bedtime in summer? Yes. So it does. It goes to like a weekend bedtime at our house. So it's usually like half an hour later. So okay. bedtimes now and a weekend are nine o'clock I and mean, it's eight 30 during the school year. So summer holidays, summer holidays prove this still prove the biggest challenge for me. So because we do week on week off and school holidays here are six weeks, fortunately, Christmas and new year, because of the seasonal difference with where I live means that I can sort of like work a little bit. So work, my work is very accommodating to my circumstance and I am allowed to basically go into work whenever I want, (laughs) which is very helpful. And so I tend to try to coordinate stuff, but over summer holidays, if I'm not house sitting for friends, I rent an Airbnb and I go stay in an Airbnb, whether that's an apartment in the city or somewhere else in a different suburb of the city or whatever, just because I can't. It's doing seven days in a row of getting up at 5.30 and not going to bed until 10 o'clock at night gets a bit more than I can handle. So yeah, so at the moment, it's school holidays here where I live and I'm house-sitting at the moment. I'm not at home. My husband has his kids. They go back to their mothers on Friday. So I will return home after work on Friday when they've gone back to their moms. Wow. (laughs) You know, first of all, I'm sitting here thinking that any prospective employers are going to say, I need to hire stepmoms. <laughs> That's what I need to do because they will work 24 <laughs> seven to not go home to those stepkids. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and, and I do, I do look sometimes and, and I guess like a lot, and I know a lot of the women that comments I read often like hide away to their rooms. That's not enough for me. The anxiety of it still, it still sits there. And I've got a friend, bless her heart, who is just like, I don't understand. Why don't you just like spend more time with the kids and it'll just get easier? Or can't you just be at home, but be in another room? And I'm like, no, it's just, it's not enough separation for me. And I, I guess I feel like I don't want them to see like, oh, Rebecca's overtly avoiding us or, or ignoring us. So whereas Uh. when I'm not home, it's, I perceive it. And I haven't asked my husband whether they perceive it that way. And I don't really want to know the answer. So I avoid the question, but I don't want them to see as me not being there as ignoring them. I want them to feel included and comfortable because it is their house too. And I just feel like I can't, I can't just be in another room because my stepdaughter wants to spend time with me. So, or my husband wants to spend time with me. So everyone's like constantly coming in and just like, are you okay? What are you doing? Um, So it's just easier for me just to not be there. And then when I am present, I can be involved and present in what's going on in the house, I suppose, if that makes sense. That makes perfect sense because then it's not your husband saying, well, why did you get up and go in the bedroom? What did they do wrong? Yeah. Or you got up from the dinner table. Was little Johnny smacking his food? Yes. Yeah. So when which and that's great, and that's it's great that I don't have. I suppose I don't have to deal with that element. There's still a cost involved. Like it still costs me something, whether that's energy or that's time or that's finances. But it's a price that I'm willing to pay, and I don't hold resentment for that. Like I don't. Some days it's hard and I just think, oh my gosh, like, could they just make a decision to go live with their mother so they don't have to come back? Like, and I, my life, well, <laughs> and, and I don't think that I would miss them if they didn't come back. And the day that my stepdaughter decides that she doesn't want to hang out with me, um, I'm totally fine with that. It gives me another day that I can do other stuff in my own world, that I don't have to be home for quote unquote allocated family day. So mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not, I definitely don't have long-term expectations of involvement in their life, I suppose, as well. So as I get older, 
before they get older, if they don't want to invite me to their wedding or invite me to a birthday party, or they don't want me to spend time with their kids or whatever, I, my feelings won't be hurt over that. Mm -hmm. It's like, they're, they're not my children. So I think it's funny personally that my husband would have to go to a circumstance where you have to sit with his ex-wife in a room, you know, and that just makes me laugh. So. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I, and I know for some women, I think that's, that's harder when they feel really they've committed and they feel really rejected later on in life. But I guess my, my primary focus is to my husband and that is my primary relationship. And that is my primary focus the kids are just there and I'm not mean to them. I'm not rude to them and vice versa, but mm -hmm. that's not my focus. My focus is how do I support my husband and how do I make our marriage a good one so that when the kids have left home, we can still come together and have a life together. Right. So has the situation ever arisen where the kids are there, it's eight o'clock at night and you just want to go home? Yep. Yep. So there are many, many times I'll finish work one day and I've had a bad day at work or it's just been a really long day and I don't feel very well or whatever. And I think, oh, I just want to go home. Like, I don't want to have to sit here until a quarter past nine before I can leave the office to go home. And it's, but I don't, I stay and I will continue to stay because the, the, the desire, the anxiety that it would cause me to go home early would be far greater than the tiredness I continue to feel for staying for an extra hour and a half. Yes. Yep. It's it. There are lots of days when I would just think I just want to go home and I just look long for the day when I can just leave work and at four o'clock when I finish my day and go straight home. And I, I look at all the other people who leave work, you know, like who are going home to their house and their family or whatever, who want to be able to want to do that, who their house is their sanctuary for them and it becomes their safe space for them. So I'm envious of that sometimes. But again, I have to check myself at the door because it's like, no one has told you that you have to do this, Rebecca. You have brought this on yourself. You have chosen this, made this decision, and you could change this decision if you wanted to, and nobody's feelings would be upset, like hurt. There would be no arguments about it or anything, but I just, I just, I can't bring myself to do it. I, I really can't. And I don't, I can't explain that. It's just how I feel. So, but yeah, there are lots of days I wish that I could just go home after work and didn't have to go visit a friend or go and find something to do for the next four and a half hours. So, right. yes. <laughs> you know, it's almost like we see a lot of couples that have chosen to live apart, stay married, but live apart. And just because of the blended issues. And you're kind of doing that. But you just don't have a house the other part that's of right. the time. Yes, that's right. Yes. And and again, that's that creates challenges in my marriage. So my husband and I, our love language is both time. So hence why there are challenges with it sometimes. So I guess my way of thinking with regards to marriage is very much that I'm committed to my husband and I'm committed to support him. So he would not be able to be where he is if I moved out. I could financially afford to be able to do that and live separately, but that is not the way that a marriage looks to me. So yes, from the outside or people listening might think, but you are doing that anyways. It's like, but I also know that at the end of the day, I do go home to him. Right. Most times if I'm not in an Airbnb or I'm not house sitting or whatever, like I might, I might not get home till 1030 or 11 o'clock at night, but I'm still going home at the end of the day. So he will still know that he's going to see me, even if it's brief, or even if we don't get to 
talk about stuff because it's at the end of the day and neither one of us are in a state of mind that we want to have a deep and meaningful conversation at 1030 at night. But he knows and I know that I will still get to go home at the end of the day. But yeah, we I suppose from the outside, it does look a little bit like we live separately, but all my stuff is still in one place. <laughs> well, and, and not only that, but it is a huge difference with you coming home at night and yes. versus living in separate houses because, like you said, that brings up its own challenges because not only financially you're supporting two homes, but like you said, time is a big thing for y'all, your love language. Well, if you've got to cut grass at your house and he's got to cut grass at his house, that's time you're not spending together. Exactly. And there's, there's other issues with it. Oh, it's, well, it becomes, you know, elements of, well, what are you doing when you're not here? I mean, I get asked those questions too, like, what are you doing when you're not here? And, you know, so I have to deal with those kinds of that, that element, I suppose, being a factor in our marriage that people who don't avoid home like I do, <laughs> don't probably don't have. Um, so there's a lot of reassurance that I have to give to my husband that, you know, like that I'm not off doing something untoward, so to speak, that I literally am sitting at work in front of my computer surfing AliExpress for a new pair of stiletto shoes I want to buy or something like that yeah. past time. So, <laughs> um, or that I'm out with friends and stuff. And yeah, he's, he's very trusting of me. And I think a lot of that is challenging for him at times mm-hmm. when he emotionally needs me or mentally requires some support for me and I'm just not there and, and vice versa. But I suppose even if I was around more, it doesn't necessarily mean that would solve all of those problems either. Right. So it it kind of it kind of goes both ways, but it's again, I suppose I can talk very sort of like nonchalant about it, but it is hard. It's definitely not something that I would recommend for people to do on a if this is the problem you're having with your blended family situation, then live apart as much as you can. I mean, there are there are challenges with it and it does it does get a bit much some days, but mm-hmm. the alternative for me of having to come home and be in that environment and feeling the anxiety that I feel is I'd rather take the tiredness. (laughs) Yeah, because I can see stepmoms, oh, that'd be great. Well, it might be the first couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah. But then you're like, I just want to go home and take a shower, or I just need to go do laundry. I didn't get laundry done this weekend, and the kids are there, and now I'm going to have to wait. I mean, there's all kind of extra challenges that you're dealing with. Yeah. You, don't, you don't have dinner with your husband. It's almost like you're out of town all day. Yeah. Yeah. And so there's an element where I suppose in my mind to cope with it, because sometimes it does get really challenging to sort of cope. And again, I'm not suggesting that the way that I do it is the right way. And some people listening would probably be horrified at the circumstance with which I live in and that my husband is obliging or that we sort of make that work. But I compartmentalize things a little bit. So of my life, I see myself being a flatmate in the house that I, or uh, sorry, a roommate that I, Mm -hmm. that in my house, um, the other 50% of the time I see myself as being a wife. So I sort of bridge back and forth. And that doesn't mean that the choices I make as a roommate would be different to the choices I would make as a wife, if that makes sense. Uh But I, I compartmentalize that a little bit with, in terms of dealing with it to sort of, because it is, it is hard. Like I do wish I could go home and I shouldn't say that I do. I, I wish that mentally I had the capacity to be able to go home at the end of my day on the times that I wanted to, but that's just not the way that it is for me. So I have to cope with it. I have to find methods with which to deal with my circumstance. And this is the one that I've settled on at the moment. I have friends who are concerned that avoiding is probably not a long-term solution and aren't sure how long I'll be able to avoid for, but where I'm at at the moment, it's painful some days, but it works for me. And 
we all deal with things that we don't like or things that we that we have to suck up in life because it's just the way that it is. So I sort of see that as one of these situations. And most times I'm okay with it. I'm in law school. I've got heaps of like yeah. reading and studying to do. So I've got plenty of things to keep me busy. <laughs> yes, you do. Well, you know, and I'm sitting here thinking too, because, you know, I want to help people fix things. And I'm thinking, how can we get Rebecca to want to go home? And then I'm thinking, you know, Lori, remember those days you didn't want to come home? Because, you know, Jackson was little when David and I got married. And so things weren't very chaotic with him. We would come home, eat dinner, take a bath. Next thing you know, it's bedtime, you know, eight o'clock. Yeah. And then when David and I got married, like you said, I walk in the door and it's a freaking zoo. Yeah. And I'm not saying that's how it is at your house, but it's overwhelming. So much noise, so much clutter from the book bags and the lunch boxes and just all the kids running around. I felt like I was coming home to a daycare. Yes. <laughs> and so with you not having children of your own, I can see where this can be more overwhelming for you. And you don't have that time to decompress like you said you did during COVID. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think that and I think that's really that's a really key thing as well, is and you've sort of nailed it with that comment, is that there is an overwhelming sensation at times. My husband likes to have the TV on, the kids are in their devices or have the TV on or playing Xbox or whatever. We have a TV in our bedroom, much to my dismay. And sometimes it's the overstimulation of things. Yes. I'm like, I come home and I just, I'm like, he's like, do you want to watch a movie? Let's watch something on Netflix. I'm like, no, I don't. I really <laughs> just want to sit here in the silence or I'll go sit in our room and he'll come in and be like, oh, do I smell? Like, do you not want to spend time with me? And it's like, <laughs> well, you're watching TV and I don't, I, it's too much stimulation for me. All that yep. blue flickering light at times. And so sometimes that's where I guess again, sitting at the office, um, you know, we've got like a couch and stuff in the lunchroom when I can sit in, in deadpan silence with reading a, a normal book from the library with no blue light and there's right. no stuff on my phone. And I can just, or I can just sit and write in my journal and get my thoughts out. And it just, it's a decompression phase that I can go through. And it's time that I can just sit in my own thoughts, in the peace and the calm and just doing what I want to do that I would have to really, really etch out at home. And it still wouldn't happen for me in a way that kind of fills that need for me. So mm -hmm. I suppose it, yeah, it is true. I get home some days and when everything's on, I'm like, oh my gosh, like I'm so overwhelmed by what's going on around me. I just need to switch it all off. Right. So, Are you an introvert? Uh, no, I'm, I'm probably sort of midway on the spectrum, I guess. So some things I'm an introvert about, but I can be quite extroverted in terms of like talking to people and things like that, but not like super, super high-end extrovert in the middle. <laughs> right. And, you know, I think I'm extremely introverted in some ways, but in other ways I'm not. It, so it's really weird. I can talk to somebody at the grocery store that I don't know, but you put me in a room with a bunch of people I don't know, I'm hiding in the corner. Don't look at me. Don't talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah, the reason I asked you that is because I know with me being so introverted, well, I say that I'm so introverted, maybe I'm not as much as I think I am, but I don't mind quiet. I actually prefer it. David will cut the TV on and he likes the surround sound stereo thing. It drives me insane. Yeah. 
yeah, it, it, it's finding that balance, I suppose. And some days it's worse than others. And I think for women too, sometimes in the month, it's worse than others for me as well. You know, right. like, yeah. and some days I'm like, oh, I just can't do this. Like, just, you know, can we just turn the television off? Or I've sat with earplugs in on occasions too. Um, I sleep with earplugs in every night and sleep with an eye mask on anyways and have done for years. So I, sometimes I just have to, yeah, break down all of that stimulation and just switch it all off. And I'm very comfortable being in my own space. You, you mm-hmm. made a comment earlier before where it's like, you know, you don't go to the movies by yourself or you don't want to eat dinner by yourself. I'm really comfortable with doing either of those things. I go to lots of movies by myself. If there's a movie I want to see. You go, girl. I it's- make David go by himself because <laughs> I'm not watching that stupid <laughs> X-Men stuff or whatever it is. <laughs> but again, it's not for everybody. And right. I suppose the way the way that I conduct my life and the choices I make is definitely not for everybody. I mean, being a step parent in a blended family is not for the faint hearted on a good day. Right. <laughs> you know, you sort of tack everything else into it and it is challenging. It is difficult. But mm-hmm. again, we all do things to cope with our circumstances in a way that suits us. And my way would not be the same as your way or the same as somebody else's way, but we find a way to make it work for our own sanity, for the sake of our relationship and our children, for those who have their own children, and just to try to bring a peace and calm into the house. You mentioned that you get up at 5.30 in the morning. When the stepkids aren't there, do you get up that early? No. So I would probably get about an hour or an hour and a half lie-in, depending on where I work out of different of the university's campuses as well. Mm-hmm. So depending on, the short answer is no, I so do you, sleep in later than 5.30. You basically get up at 5.30 to avoid them. Yes, correct. Girl, you are disciplined. <laughs> well, believe me, there's times when my alarm goes off and I don't sleep very well on a good day. And I'll wake up and think the last thing I want to do is have to get out of bed at 5.30 and I'll lay there and think, yes, but if you don't get out of bed, you're going to A, have to fight traffic because I live in a relatively big city. And then you're going to have to deal with the chaos in the morning schedule and having to see the kids. So I'm like, so you drag your little backside out of bed and you get out to the gym and off you go. So <laughs> Right. Now, you have really got me thinking on this. When y'all first got married, no, 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 when you first lived together, Mm -hmm. did you do this straight out of the gate or? No. No, that's right, because you said you were a little more involved. Yeah. It it was after COVID that you started doing this. Did the kids not go, where's Rebecca? Yep. Yep. So, yep. So my, my stepdaughter, I don't think my stepson really cares that much. My stepdaughter, yeah, often asks where I am or has made comments about Rebecca's never here. I have sort of said to my husband, I, the response, I thought we agreed the response was going to be, yes, Rebecca's giving us time to be able to spend time together, you know, but often he's like, oh, I got caught off guard. So it's like, oh, Rebecca's job's really busy or Rebecca's socializing. So what I tend to do now is when I spend time with my stepdaughter, we're sort of just sort of casually talking about what she's doing. I'll be like, because one of her friends at school, actually his aunt is a friend of mine. And that was purely coincidental, not by design, but Mm -hmm. so I'll often be like, Oh, I'm going to so-and-so's aunt and uncle's house for dinner on Tuesday night, or, you know, I'm studying at school and it's really busy and I have lots of homework so that it kind of builds it into the whole, like, I'm not just sitting at my desk doing nothing. Like I actually do have things on in my life. And I think I also think it's important for them to see that they, they can do things in life as well. Like I don't, I don't want them to be restricted where the window with which they look through, they think that's the only window of option that's available to them. Right. And yeah, I think sometimes my husband's like, but I want them to see what a good, healthy marriage looks like. And, you know, it doesn't, I can't do that when you're not here. And it's like, yeah, but 
I have parents that have been together for 43 years and I could still look back and think that there's some things that they didn't do very well or that could have been done differently or that have impacted me as an as a child growing up with them being parents. So nothing is perfect. You right. just have to make the best of it. And thankfully, my husband has never said, oh, well, it's just because she doesn't want to be here. Yeah, thank goodness. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like those other crazy men that don't think before they speak. <laughs> Yes. So he's, he's, he is supportive. He doesn't like it. Don't get me wrong. Like, it's not like my husband's like, oh, you go, babe. Like, yeah, it's cool. Like, you just not be here half the time. Like, it's awesome. That just is fantastic. It does create its challenges as well. But I would rather deal with those challenges and have to deal with the opposing side of the coin of dealing with my anxiety around having to be around more. Right. And I can see his point of you want your children to see what a healthy marriage is like. Not a perfect yep. marriage because they don't exist, but what a healthy marriage is like. Yes. But at the same time, I'm thinking, okay, you're at home, you're studying, you've got something that you've got to do with your degree, whether it's a test or a paper, and the stepdaughter's wanting to talk to you, and you're saying, I can't right now, I'm busy. Yeah. So she feels like you're dismissing her, yes. for lack of a better word, and that would make you feel guilty. Yes. And then she could go back to buy a mom. Rebecca never plays with me. She's always saying she doesn't have time. Whereas when, like you said, with you not physically there, it helps because it it gives you a reason to not have to interact. Exactly. Yeah. And it's not, let's see, how am I wanting to phrase this? It's not that, it's not that you don't like the stepkids. It's you value their time with their dad, and you need that time alone with yourself. Correct. That would be a great way to summarize it, Lori, to be fair. Yep, exactly. And things may change with stepdaughter. She may hit 13 and not care if you're there or not. Exactly. And then you may be able to, if you wanted to, and if it felt good to you, to go home a little early because she's in there on the phone talking to her friend, and she doesn't care about you. Exactly. Yep. And that's where I don't, and I read a lot of the, a lot of the comments that women make is often around, oh yeah, my stepdaughter and I had a great relationship when she was like nine and mm-hmm. then she hit 12 and was like, stuff you, like I don't want anything yeah. to do with you. So there's, that may happen. That may not happen. It's, I guess it's just, it's from, from her perspective, I think that she lives in her brother's wake a little bit. So mm-hmm. her, at her mother's house, it's all about her brother. Like it's all about what he wants to do, where he wants to go. She gets dragged around to all his sport activities, um, et cetera, et cetera. And so I just, she doesn't really seem to just get a lot of like time where people focus directly just on her for extended periods. Mm -hmm. So I take her out because being at home is very, just as a lot of anxiety for me, especially more so with my stepson. Um, So I just take her out. Like, I don't want to sit at home while my husband and my stepson have got their faces in a device. So I'm like, all right, come on, let's go. Like, out we go. We're going to go. What do you want? What do you want to do today? I say, right. I want to go to the shopping mall. Yep. Cool. We'll go to the shopping mall. And I'll spend five hours with her. She's tactile. So she wants to touch everything. She wants to pick everything up. And I, I never go with her if I've got something to do myself. If I want to do like actual things, then I go on my own. But yep, we'll just wander through the mall several times. She wants to look at jewelry. Um, I'm fortunate that I can still, I'm able to fit into like kids clothes still, like the largest sort of size kids clothes. So we've got- All right, now no need to bring all that up. (laughs) (laughs) No, I say that because we then go into stores together and we try on matching outfits. 
So, you know, oh, like that's she'll cool. pick the size that fit her and I'll get me and I'll take a photo and send it to her dad. And she loves it, Laurie. Like she really just likes that someone focuses that kind of time with her. And my husband doesn't have the patience to do that. Right. I'm not sure that her mother does either, to be fair. So there's, yeah. So I just go and make the time exclusively about her. So she gets like a girl day every other Sunday when I'm there to know that I'm going to spend time with her doing whatever she wants to do. Right. So, I love that. Yeah. And you made a comment. I can't remember exactly how you phrased it, but like the stepson, like there's anxiety of staying home on Sunday with them. Yes. And it's not because stepson did anything. It's just awkward. Yeah. So there's, he has a massive loyalty bind to his mother. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. I, you know, right. completely appreciate that. That has absolutely been perpetuated because of the behavior that she undertakes with them in her house. Mm -hmm. And a circumstance came up a couple of years ago where a child a representative of the child, like a child, uh, not psychologist, like a counselor or something when, mm -hmm. before we were going into mediation. Um, and he had gone into this meeting with this individual, with this lady. And basically he was coached with what to say. So his mother had an agenda about a point that she wanted to stick it to my husband with. Uh, so she put my stepson in the middle of that and she coached him with what to say because we were in mediation and the, the lady who facilitated the meeting was like, oh, he was so organized. He came with it all written down in a piece of paper. And I looked at my <laughs> husband and was like, I, I nearly blurted out, well, I don't know who you're talking about, but that is not my stepson. Like, <laughs> Well, not only that, but that should have been a clue to her right there that he was being coached. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, but anyway, so, and look, it's not, it's not his fault. And I don't, I don't blame, I don't blame the kid. Like it's, he just got put into the middle of a loyalty bind, but it really, it took its toll on my husband as well. And when my husband asked him about it later on, like, mate, like, you know, what can I do to make this better for you? Like, how can we talk about this? He goes, I don't know. You need to ask mom. Oh gosh. So he knew that he was coached and it's just, I guess it's just created a sense of I don't know. And I don't know why that makes me anxious, Laurie. I don't know. I really don't. But like, I can't sit with them at the dinner table on a Sunday night anymore because the, being in his presence just makes me too anxious. So I just avoid just because like he, he hasn't done anything. It still makes it really hard. Like I, I, I just find being in the room with him just rises anxiety with me. And there's really no valid explanation for why that's the case. <laughs> well, if it was just your stepdaughter, you'd be okay. Yes, it would be different. I probably wouldn't go home all the time because she's very needy um, and wants to spend time with me. But right. I think some of that might dissipate if I was home more. I don't know. Well, I mean, it makes sense to me because with stepson, he's got this such a strong loyalty bond with his mom that you probably feel like everything you do is being analyzed and detailed back to her. Yes. And we don't know what is said when they go back to right. their mothers. Like uh, I, coincidentally, I actually know their mother and purely by coincidence, I actually worked with their mother for a period of time before my husband and I met. Oh, wow. I worked with her. And then when we we got together, I mentioned what company I worked for. And it's a relatively large organization within within the country. And Again, lots of people and of, of the irony of it was like, oh, my ex-wife is so-and-so. And I'm like, what? I'm like, <laughs> she sits like four desks over from me in my office. Like, what do you mean that's your ex-wife? So it's so that's so that and that created a bit of awkwardness and tension at times as well. But 
Right. Yeah, she's, it's, I don't know what happens at their house. We have really chosen the line of that says, once we start sticking our nose into what goes on at her house, she, we open the door for her to stick her nose into what goes on in ours. Right. So we, my husband has just very much been like, there's a lot of stuff she does that we don't agree with. And she's applied rules to us that she then doesn't abide by herself. But we, I've sort of tried to help my husband realize it's the long-term goal. Like it's not about winning in the short term and getting, you know, getting your point across or winning in the argument or whatever. It's about what long-term impact does this have on the kids right. and what is, what is it going to do? So we've, I've tried to really sort of help him in that space because so he doesn't grill the kids when they come to our house. Like we're, I do sometimes, but on a real, like the, my stepdaughter's nine, she doesn't really understand what's going on. So it's like, oh, how so-and-so and what's doing this? And, you know, like yeah. sort of, um, but I don't like, it's not to use it as like ammunition. We we just think well, my husband, and I try to rise above all that. It's like, we're not going to get caught up in the pettiness of what that is. And we, and, and that again, our situation is a lot more calm than a lot of other people experienced um, with regards to the mother, but she's fine. She doesn't stalk me on Facebook and she doesn't send me nasty messages. I've got nothing to do with her. I don't speak to her. I, she, we don't have contact details. I, I don't, I have nothing yeah. to do with her at all. She doesn't slag me in front of the kids as far as I'm aware. Yeah. She just kind of, I'm very blessed that I don't have a BM problem. Let's put it that way. Yes. <laughs> well, I do find it interesting that she wanted to make y'all do certain things at your home that she's not even doing at her own. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. It's that control thing. Yes. And it took us a couple of years to realize, to break her down from that control. And again, the longer you're in a circumstance, you have a, you create a lot more hindsight to be able to look back. Mm -hmm. And I realized that when my husband and her were married, she just took the reins and took control because that was easier for my husband. Like he's not really the most, like he's not the most organized, love him dearly, but he's not. So it right. just became easier to let her do it, to mm -hmm. plan the parties, to plan the sleepovers, to do whatever. So when, and they were together for about 10 years. So it's a long time to be with someone where you're just sort of leaning on them to do all this stuff. So when they split up, it took her a couple of years to, to let go of continuing of that control and to sort of trust him that he could do it himself. He didn't need her to keep doing it. So there is a bit of a, a power struggle. It is control for her, but I've come to realize that it probably wasn't the nasty control way. It was more just, this is the way that it's always been because he didn't seem like he could do mm -hmm. it himself. So it's just finding that balance. Right. Yes, it is. Now, let me ask you a question. Yep. What if the stepkids decided we want to live with dad full time or something happened to buy a mom? Yeah. So as um, I <laughs> Rebecca's pray, like, every... I'll be living in an Airbnb. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, if, if, yes, that thought crosses my mind. Um, I pray every day, Laurie, no joke, that that does not happen to their mother and that she is safe and she is protected and that she continues to be able to meet her 50% obligations. I I don't know. Yeah, but you've got an agenda that that prayer. <laughs> uh, yeah, yes, I know. Yes, I know, and Lord knows I do. But um, uh, we if, if he knows, she don't. <laughs> yes, and he yeah, and my husband knows as well. To be fair, and I think actually having the kids full time would probably nearly break him as well. Right. I, I think he would really struggle with that. We we've talked about the fact that if she died, then we would hire a nanny 
to be able to assist um, with it because it would just be, it would be too much for the both of us to be able to cope. Right. Unaware that it's a possibility that it could happen. (laughs) I am, however, I sort of live in that space of like, I'm just going to trust that I'm not actually going to be thrust into that world and have to deal with what that looks like because I couldn't just... I couldn't just avoid like that would be mean what I'd avoid my house 50% of the time. Like there's just no way there's just, that would just be impossible. It would definitely have to be a conversation with my husband and I about how we would manage that. Right. Thankfully she wants to be mother of the year. So she's pretty in like, she's quite involved and in mm-hmm. really make sure that, you know, she's, they're not, there's not a like withholding of custody or not or anything like that, but it would be a challenge. I don't really have an answer about specifically what I would do, but it is something that I have given a lot of thought to over the last few years as a possibility of what do I do if it happens. (laughs) Well, I can see stepdaughter wanting to get out of stepson's shadow. Yes. I've sort of said to my husband that I reckon that my stepson will go and live with his mother full time. And I I reckon his stepdaughter will want to live with us or his daughter rather will want to live with us. So we'll sort of see how that pans out. (laughs) Does it work the same where you are that basically the kids do visitation till they're 18? Mm -hmm. Correct. Okay. It is. And then they'll decide, you know, who they want to live with or some do continue to do visitation. So I've sort of, I don't draw a lot of hard lines with my husband. I think that that's unfair at the end of the day, they're his kids. I, um, but there's a couple of, there's a couple of hard lines I've drawn. One I've said to my husband is that they have until the end of 2030 and then we're moving because we live in a part of the city that we're in that I don't like that. I said, I would never live in and ended up now being tied to this part of the city. Hey, Um, that's where I I live too. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm like, I've sacrificed (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> I got, I've done, I've done my 12 years um, of sacrifice by that point in time. And I've sort of said to him, like, uh, we're going to move. So his stepdaughter, uh, my stepdaughter rather will be, will just be over 18. She'll be about 18 and a half by that point in time. And mm-hmm. my stepson will be in his twenties. So I've said to my husband, be prepared that at the end of 2030, we're moving and we're downsizing into a two bedroom house. And then they're not invited. So <laughs> oh, oh, my mouth <laughs> dropped on that one, Rebecca. <laughs> And I, and, and that's, and thankfully again, bless my husband. He's very much of the same sort of mindset. If they want to live with the parent, then they can live with their mother and she would welcome them with open arms to be fair, Lori. She really would like, right. she wouldn't have any qualms about that whatsoever. So, but there comes a point where you kind of like, they have to start to learn to fend for themselves as well. So. Yes. Well, I know um, everybody looks at 18 as this magical age and, you know, it was more so when I was growing up. Because you could afford to work part-time somewhere and still rent somewhere with somebody else. But now the rent and the pricing of housing is ridiculous. Yes, to it where, is here too. Yeah, a full-time adult can have trouble finding somewhere to live. Yes. Now, I'll have to yeah. be honest with you here, Rebecca. <laughs> David jokes all the time about when Jackson's 18, he's gone. He's out of here. Well, your kids joined the Air Force. Three of them did. And one of them moved to the mountains because he didn't want to pay rent. Okay, well, that was their choice. I've told my son, I don't care if you live here till you're 25. I would rather you save money to buy you a home than to live paycheck to paycheck and struggle the rest of your life. Because once you move out, those bills don't stop. Correct. It and but I yes, and I 
I don't know. I mean, maybe I live in this like brilliant sort of bubble that's like at 18, they're going to leave. But I think, (laughs) well, by the time we get to the end of 2030, she'll be nearly 19 at that point in time. And I don't know what they're going to do. Like she talks about even my stepdaughter, because she's the youngest, talks about, you know, going flatting with friends and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So it's not that I think she has a mindset of wanting to to stay living with us. Um, Right. And again, they would have their mother's house would be readily open and available to them to do stuff as well. Like she's just very much that type of mother. So they will probably want to go and live with her more percentage of their time than in the next couple of years, I think anyways. So yeah, look, I'm not, I wouldn't kick them to the curb. Let's put it that way. Nor would I make my husband kick them to the curb, but he also, I think by the time they turn 18, will be ready to be done too. And to be able to sort of step back and then sort of do the things that he would like to do and that we would like to do together in terms of traveling or moving into a different part of the city that we would both rather live in that sort of thing. So Mm -hmm. Well, and I want to clarify, when I was talking about one of David's sons, he didn't want to pay rent. David and I had talked that if they weren't going to school, then they would have a job and they would pay rent. And I'm talking maybe a hundred bucks a month. Yeah. That we would take that money and save it for them. And then when they did decide to move out, give it to them. So, you know, that was the plan. But this gives like, oh, no, I'll go pay real rent. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, and I suppose you're all, I guess you, you look through the lens with which you have to look through. And at this point in time, my stepkids are quite young. So they've still got a few more years. I mean, who knows what's going to happen right. over the next 10 years or uh, eight years. My stepdaughter will be 18 in just over eight years. So Golly, 2030 becomes- is eight years. Holy moly. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> So, so you just think it's, I don't know. So, I mean, look, and it might look, it might look very different and there might have to be a reevaluation of what that's all going to look like after the point with which they turn 18. But I think too, there needs to be, they need to sort of be growing up and it is a lot harder in today's day and age, as you said, you know, from a financial perspective, but people still make it happen and they need to be able to grow and become their own, their own selves as individuals and live their own life. Mm -hmm. And if their mother wants to continue to support them in that, then, Hey, all the power to her. Like you go girlfriend, if that's what you want to do, that's awesome. You, you take that and, and we'll make different choices. I mean, my parents did, my sister and I both left home within 12 months of each other, about 18, 19, and we've never looked back. So yeah. You know, it's, yeah. So I don't know. It, it's a journey, Laurie. It's an ever evolving journey to be fair. Every day it's a different scenario and every year it looks a little bit different. So again, the path I choose now and the way I do it now may not work in another few years, but I'll tackle that when it comes and I'll make right. a new plan. <laughs> and there's no need to worry about it right now. Kind of like if the kids did decide to come live with you, don't worry about that now. You may never have to deal with that. Don't get exactly. anxious. Don't, you'll give yourself a panic attack thinking about it. Yeah. Definitely. So you you pick your battles and you deal with what you can deal with. And yeah, you don't worry about the stuff that isn't happening right now. Right. Exactly. So one last question before we wrap up. Sure. What about going on vacation with the stepkids and your husband? <laughs> yeah, that's never going to happen. <laughs> Uh, ever. <laughs> my, no, my husband doesn't, he finds it stressful to go on vacation with his kids. He hasn't even taken like a family holiday. My stepdaughter brought it up actually a couple months ago around, we never, we've never been on a family holiday. And I'm like, oh yeah, but you went on holiday with your grandma and your dad's taking you away for a couple of nights. Yeah. But we've never been like as a family. And I'm thinking, yeah, that's not going to happen. So <laughs> no, I, 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 I travel by myself. So my family lives in Canada, which is not in the same country that I live in at the moment, Mm -hmm. um, who I haven't seen in three and a half years because of the pandemic. So 
yeah, I, that's not going to happen. Short answer is vacations with stepchildren. Nope. It just won't be it. I'm, I will save the time for going away with my husband pending his mom can come over and look after the kids. If she, if the mother doesn't want to have them, but yeah, there'll be no, there'll be no family holidays. <laughs> well, I have no doubt that if there ever was a family holiday that you could find something to keep you busy. <laughs> oh, heck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Both definitely. That'd be part of the planning. There'd be definitely having to be something that I could do that would keep me out late at night. <laughs> but you know, family vacations are stressful. Yes. Even in nuclear yeah. families. I've, I remember horror stories of growing up in the vacations we had. Yeah, I can think of a few, I think, with my parents as well. So The yeah. kids want to go do fun stuff and the parents want to relax. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, and I look at my husband, who is a great dad. And is a dad of 50% of the time, he wants a break too. Like, I don't think he really wants to have to drag his kids around for a a week's holiday when uh, he can just stay at home and have all the comforts of home. And their mother takes them away on holidays, to be fair, Laurie. Like, she's really good. They're they're getting on an airplane when she gets them from the weekend and she's taking them overseas for a week on the school holidays. So, you know, I mean, she does all that kind of stuff with them and takes them places. So that's sort of, again alleviates the pressure on my husband to feel like they're missing out, quote unquote. Um, right. They get lost there. They, they have everything that they need and they don't go, they don't want for anything, but definitely holidays are something I'm either dealing with myself and going on my own or I'll, I'll do with my husband, but no stepchildren, <laughs> not for me, <laughs> not, at least not right now. <laughs> I thought that was going to be your answer. <laughs> well, Rebecca, you know, I think you have become the role model for a lot of stepmoms. <laughs> oh, I don't. I'm not quite sure about that in some places, but thanks, maybe. <laughs> but you know, so many times, stepmoms, and I was guilty of it, we get wrapped up in being the stepmom that we lose who we are as ourselves, or even yeah. as a parent to our other kids, or as a spouse to our significant other. Because it just, let's focus on the stepkids. Let's make sure they're happy or let's make sure they're, they're doing everything they're supposed to right. And then you're consumed with it all and you just feel lost. It's like, where did Lori go? Yeah. And you didn't have to experience that. You stopped it before it happened. And I'm glad. Yeah, it, it has its challenges and it's not always, like I said before, it's not always the easiest choice. Um, and a lot of days I wish it was different, but it's not. And I chose to marry my husband. I chose to marry a man with kids that he has 50% of the time in a scenario that I never wanted my own children. So I also have to deal with that choice. And that I don't say that in in a negative way, but I have to deal with, with, with what that looks like in my life. And we all make choices that we have to deal with and we might not like it every minute of the day, but I still choose to stay married to him and I'm choosing to be committed to my marriage and I'm choosing to make sure that his kids are happy and get the time that they need with their dad. Well, and like you said, he wishes that you would be more present sometimes. Yes. And I get that, but he's not giving you an ultimatum either. No, not at all. So that's great. And he may say his prayers at night and say, God, let Rebecca be more present with me and the kids. He may. Maybe. Yep. (laughs) Because I'm sure he misses you. And even though he knows y'all will never be a nuclear family, he's probably wishing there was some type of family unit, for lack of a better word. Yes, I completely agree with you on that. Yep. So we give him kudos, too, for not pushing (laughs) you. And, honey, I'm so impressed with you, not just because you avoid going home, but... (laughs) 
<laughs> you do it so well. But because you've got your master's, you're getting your law degree. I mean, you're doing a lot. And that's great. You didn't give up on your dreams just because you married somebody that had kids. Well, and I guess that was always important to me. And I guess for other, I don't know, stepmoms out there, stepdads maybe as well, you know, who sort of feel like they're doing this, but it's more they take a backseat to the other people that are out there who have got real issues with stepchildren's disrespect or, you know, mm-hmm. birth mothers being a cow or whatever the circumstances. Like I've sort of read a lot of the comments and the posts on the page and think, wow, that just really doesn't apply to me. Or wow, I'm really glad that's not my situation to have yes. to deal with. But I think there's those of us like me that they, we may be few and far between, but I do think that they're out there. And if anything, by talking to you today, I hope that it encourages them and, and, and supports them and help them to realize that they're not alone. It, it's okay that they aren't home that much. It's okay that they've put in place coping mechanisms as long as they're sort of like positive, constructive coping mechanisms. Right. And healthy boundaries. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Healthy boundaries. And, and just realizing that hey, you're not the only one in a way. W- w- there's other of us out there. <laughs> right. Exactly. Rebecca. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us and being a guest. Now, I do hope that you're going into family law. (laughs) No, I think family law is the one I'm going to avoid completely, (laughs) to be fair. Way too close to home. (laughs) I had to say it because I'm thinking, "Uh uh-uh. She's like, no, no. I don't even go home. You think I'm going to get involved in family law? (laughs) And have to deal with everybody else's problems? Oh, my gracious. No. Yes. Well, it does sound like that you are doing what is absolutely best for you and your husband and your stepkids right now. And nobody can fault you or judge you for that. Hope so. (laughs) If they do, then they got their own problems because they they shouldn't be judging you for that. Yeah. And again, we've, we, we all have to live our own lives, right? Like my friends or my family can make whatever comments they like, but the the concept of walk a mile in my shoes and then come and have a conversation with me, you know, and I'm not asking you to live my life. I'm Mm -hmm. living my life. So please don't judge me for the choices I make. Right. Exactly. Unless you've lived it, you don't know. Exactly. Yep. Well, thank you again for being a guest and keep us posted. I'd love to have you back in a couple of years and see if anything's changed or if it's still the same or what's going on. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, Laura. It's been a pleasure. You have a good day. Cheers. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. It is so funny, the number of stepmoms that I interview or we interview that says, I never wanted to date a man with kids. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Now, see, I've wanted somebody with kids because I figured that if I had somebody who didn't have kids, then they had, um, I don't know, I just thought it'd be harder for them to deal with somebody with four kids that they had none. You know? Well, yeah, and I agree. When I was thinking about long term, I definitely wanted somebody with at least one child because I needed them to understand that if we had plans to go out of town and my baby got sick, then those plans were going to change. Mm-hmm. Yep. But I definitely came out, you know, on the better end of that deal. I'm like, you know, I found somebody with one kid, not four. <laughs> yeah, but now we got three doggies. Yeah, now we're right back to the same place we started. <laughs> Apparently, I was missing the chaos. I know. It's back. It's back, y'all. <laughs> and I can't nacho the dogs. Oh, that reminds me. I do want to talk about this briefly. We talk about things being fair in the blend a lot. Mm-hmm. And we spoke about this a couple of weeks ago, actually. But even when it comes to the dogs, I have this desire to be fair. Mm-hmm. And if I can't be fair, then my dog gets the better end of the deal. 
(laughs) And I say that because with us having two puppies, we need to separate them for training. But I feel bad leaving one of them in the crate while the other one's out because that's not fair, right? Okay. And then if one gets a treat for doing something good, the other one just sits there and looks at me like, why am I the bad kid? So I have to give them a treat too. So you're teaching them to be bad? Apparently, because I have to try to be fair. Well, stop trying to be fair. But that's just mean. No, it's not, people. (laughs) It is not mean to not be fair. You can try all day to make things fair, and they're not going to be. No, but but you also don't intentionally not be fair to be mean. Right. You don't say, oh, little Susie, you get three cupcakes today because you've been wonderful. Little Johnny, you get a half of one because you're just crap. Well, it's it's the hidden rule number 11 of not showing. Oh, did you see my 11s? Is that what made you think of that? Exactly. So okay. <laughs> hidden rule number 11 of not showing is that not showing is a tool, not a weapon. Amen, brother. Say it again for those in the back. Not showing is a tool, not a weapon. Don't be a fool. Use nacho as a tool. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. All right, folks. That's our show for today. Join us next week when we hear Lori say, what's a nacho squirrel? <laughs> Is there a such thing? No. <laughs> uh, All right, David folks. makes up stuff and makes me believe him, y'all. <laughs> we did find out, though, there are people who are named nacho. <laughs> yes. More on that later. Remember, life <laughs> well, we, is good. Wait, 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 David. We got to tell them now because we'll forget by next time. Oh, okay. Okay, so we're in this conference <laughs> in Texas, and this guy raises his hand and said, I want royalties. Royalties because I am referred to as Nacho. Yeah, his nickname is Nacho. So. How great is that? I know. It should be easy for him to remember what to do. <laughs> I thought, uh, yeah, I thought about naming one of our dogs Nacho. Yeah. Well, somebody did name a chicken Nacho. Yeah, baby Nacho. Yep. There's a sweet lady named Nicole. I'm not going to share her last name because she may not want people to know that she is the chicken whisperer. (laughs) But she named a chicken after Laura Petherbridge, and she named one baby Nacho. And he's the cutest little thing ever. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So there's your too much information for the day. Uh, We'll see you guys next week. And remember, life is good. When you nacho. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Nacho Kids Podcast. Find us online at nachokids.com. Until next time, remember, life is good when you nacho.